Welcome to the City Beautiful Church Solarium podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us as we reflect and discuss the finer details of life in God. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good morning, my name's Cole. We haven't had the pleasure of meeting one another. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, we started this year talking about loving... Loving blank, fill in the blank. Community. And then we talked about bold exploration. And now in the last uh, couple months, we've been talking about uh, the tools that we are equipped with to step into both of those things. So as we are on this journey as a community of faith in the context of loving community, we're setting out to boldly explore the depths of what life with one another and life with God are all about. And then the Lord has blessed us and equipped us with specific things as we've moved out on that journey. And those are the things that we've been talking about. I talked about choice a little while ago, uh, last time we gathered together, which was two Sundays ago. Ryan talked about spiritual disciplines. Logan, a couple weeks ago, talked about um, the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to return to that concept today. So I'm just going to read from Galatians 5, uh, 22 to 25, where it talks about these fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And I think when we think about this concept of the fruit of the Spirit, especially in the context of what we've been talking about related to bold exploration, we think about the fruit of the Spirit as some sort of destination-associated concept, that as we continue to move forward in our lives, we will discover the fruit of the Spirit, that we will arrive into a life that is somehow now acquiring or now possessing this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. But today, I want to move us through all of these different pieces of fruit one at a time and talk about it in a way that I hope will reframe the concept of the fruit of the Spirit for us, not, no longer seeing it as some sort of destination that one day we will arrive into being people who are people who possess the fruit of the Spirit, but recognizing the fruit of the Spirit as literally the, the ether that exists around us. That the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit exists around us, the fruit of the Spirit are always immediately available to us. So the big idea today, the fruit of the Spirit isn't the destination of our bold exploration. The fruit of the, the Spirit is our context. It's like the oxygen that we breathe every day. It's immediately present to us. It's like we're swimming through the, the ether of the fruit of the Spirit, and that it is always accessible and available to us. And it's not something that is a future reality for our lives, but it is an always and currently present reality for our lives. There is this, uh, this guy who's a, a spy for the CIA. He says his name is John Braddock but can we really trust him? I don't know. Um, he was in an undisclosed country. It was early in the morning. It was cold outside. He was literally wearing a trench coat. And uh, he was going to meet one of his contacts. He gets on a subway, and he gets on the subway. He's sitting down, and he pulls out his phone, and immediately he hears someone in the, uh, in the native language say, hey, give me your phone. So he looks up. He sees this person coming at him rather rapidly, he decides to stand. The person keeps coming at him. 
he decides, well, maybe I'm going to move out of the way. This person who was coming at him moves in front of him. The guy coming at him headbutt him. John falls on the ground. The guy turns around and he walks away. So that's what's happening on the exterior. That's what's happening on the surface. But John, as a trained CIA operative, had been going through this process in his mind called the Dada loop, D-A-D-A. And what those, those things stand for this. The first, the first D is data. So John, here's this guy. Hey, give me your phone. And he looks up and he begins acquiring data. He's looking at the situation. He's wondering what's going on here. He's assessing what's going on. He's asking questions. Is this guy another spy? Does he want to get my phone because he knows that there's like secret information on it? Is he coming to attack me or to hurt me? He starts looking around and noticing the situation. That's the A, that's the A. So first data, second analysis. So he's analyzing the situation. There's a camera on the train and he notices this camera and he thinks, well, a truly trained spy wouldn't come at another spy knowingly when they're being recorded. Spies don't wanna, you know, Jason Bourne in front of a camera because it will give them away, as you've seen in the Jason Bourne films. He's not very good at that, I guess. Uh, it seems always to be caught on camera doing all kinds of things. Um, and then he, he looks at the guy's eyes. The guy's eyes are shifting back and forth. And so this guy looks like he's not totally with it. And so he's connecting the, collecting this data, he's analyzing it, and as a result of analyzing the data, he thinks to himself, this guy is not a spy. And so he begins making decisions, that's the second D, data analysis decision. He makes a decision, he decides to stand up, thinking maybe this will prevent the guy from continuing to come at him. Well, the guy keeps coming at him and he thinks, well, I don't want to get in a fight with this guy, especially on camera, so I'm just gonna step to the side and maybe he'll walk right past me. He steps to the side. So he's made a, a decision and that's the last, uh, he's made a decision and then an action, the last A, an action. He puts his phone in his pocket, he steps to the side, the other guy steps to the side, headbutts him, lets out this maniacal laugh, John falls to the ground, and the guy turns around and walks away. And on the surface, it doesn't necessarily seem like a success. He now has a bloody head. But it was a success because the guy wasn't a spy. The guy turned around and walked away, and John can get off the subway, go clean himself up, and it'll be fine. But what we see in this is this guy, who is this trained spy, doesn't just simply respond without thought. All the time, there's this process going through his head, collecting data, analyzing it, making a decision as a result of that decision, acting, and then starting over again at the top of that and going through this conscious process. And I think for us, this applies in, in the context of the fruit of the Spirit and that I think most of us are living our lives in a way that we just kind of react out of the path of least resistance. The thing that comes most immediately to us is often the way that we live our lives, but a life that is full of the fruit of the Spirit and is living with a recognition that the fruit of the Spirit is always present and available to us. We step into accessing, accessing that fruit of the Spirit because we move into a deeper level of intentionality when it comes to our relationship with God. So in the spirit of the CIA, I've come up with my own acronym and uh, it's this catchy acronym, BRAR. <laughs> You're welcome. And the, the, the letters stand for this. Breathe, remember, access, and reveal. Breathe, remember, access, and reveal. 
And for me, even as I was going through the fruit of the Spirit, as we see in the book of Galatians, and thinking about each of the fruit of the Spirit in my own life and the context of this, I was able to consciously remember moments in my life where I had kind of unknowingly gone through something like this, and the result that comes from being intentional about my relationship with God and the kind of fruit that I'm accessing, fruit of the flesh or fruit of the spirit, and thereby revealing those things into the world. So what are these four little beats about? And, you know, it's kind of, kind of funny, I guess, bra or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I think that there's some depth here. And I also want to say this, like, more and more as I live my life, I'm a person who uh, realizes that there are no magic formulas. So this is not a magic formula for us to start adhering to and thereby becoming like the perfect Christians that we were always meant to be. But I think that there are things that we can kind of derive from these four beats that help us begin living a life that is more intentional. And as a result of that intentionality, begins to bear more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So this first, this first beat, you can put that back up, breathe. What is this? Like what I said just a moment ago, we default to allowing things to flow out of our life that are often the easiest things to flow out of our life. That the things that come out of our lives are the things that we immediately default to, and it's so easy for us to default to the flesh. Like, think about sitting in a room where there's gossip happening, or there's a few people who are slandering a particular individual, and we're there in that room. Think about how easy it is to just participate in that activity, to join in to that conversation. And think about how much self-control it takes to just remain silent, to say nothing at all. And if we're not conscious about the fruit that's coming out of our lives, those are the things we do. We begin en engaging in those things. We begin joining in those conversations. But if we're willing to take a breath, in the span of a breath, we can go from a reaction of least resistance to a response of power. In the span of a breath. Like if we literally are in a moment where we're thinking or not thinking, gossip is happening and I want to participate in this. There's something really juicy I could add to this conversation and it'll make me feel like I'm, you know, I'm part of this conversation and, and maybe they'll laugh about what I have to say and maybe we'll think I'm better as a result of the things that I just let out in this moment if I don't think. But if we just take a second to breathe and we don't let the first thing that we default to come out of our mouths or show on our faces, we have the opportunity to move from a reaction of least resistance, whatever just comes out, to a response of power. Taking a breath gives us the opportunity to open our options. When we're full of anger and we want to let out a tirade, taking a breath gives us the opportunity to realize that going into a, a tirade of anger is not our only option. When in fact, there is an unlimited number of options that exist before us. And in this, we move from the option of least resistance to recognizing the, num the unlimited number of options before us. So we pause, and we take a breath, and in that breath, what can we do? We can remember and when we intentionally remember who we are and what's important, it repositions us in a place of power. Who am I? 
Who are these people? Who is God? What is God's instruction in a moment like this? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? I want to be a person who remembers that I have the opportunity for influence in this moment, that I don't have to succumb, that I don't have to just let out the reaction of least resistance, but the Lord has empowered me to contribute into this moment in a particular way. So in taking that breath, I'm going to remember who does God say I am? What does God say about a moment like this? What does God say about his care for these people in this place, in this time, and in this moment? And in that, we begin to access. So breathe, remember, access. What do we need to access in this time and place? What fruit do I need to take hold of? Because the fruit of the Spirit is an unlimited supply around us. We just have to take time to access it. And literally, as I was thinking about this 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 week, I kind of had this mental picture of being in whatever situation, closing my eyes, taking a breath, remembering who God says I am, remembering who God says these people around me are, and literally reaching up my hand, taking hold of one of the fruit of the Spirit, and just accessing it and bringing it into the moment. Like this very visceral sense of like that the, the fruit of the spirit around us is so tangible that I can just reach out and take hold of love. Reach out and take hold of joy and peace and patience and kindness. That if I'm willing to, to, to in a moment close my eyes, reject the response of the flesh and in that breath Remember what God wants for this. Reach out and access in a very visceral way the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, that last R in our bra is to reveal, to manifest the fruit of the Spirit here and now. All right? So let's just kind of go back to a situation, that gossip situation. A couple people talking about a third person who's not there. I really, really, really want to say something. Oh, it's juicy. Oh, it's good. I say it. It's the path of least resistance. I do it. On the other hand, the three of us are there. Talk, 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 talk. They're saying something. Ooh, ooh, yeah, this is good. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me take a breath. Oh, I don't have to say that. Oh, what does God think about that person? What does God think about this moment? What does God think about these two people sitting right here who are having this conversation that I'm now in the midst of. Oh, I want to reach out and I'm going to access, first of all, patience in my heart because oh, I'm really anxious to say that thing. I want to reach out and I'm going to access love and care and compassion in a very loving and caring and compassionate way. Maybe it's not that I correct anything. Maybe it's not that I point my finger and shake it at the people who are gossiping. It doesn't even need to involve calling them out. Maybe I just say, gosh, I really remember this one time where that person said this to me and it was really meaningful. Or, you know, I really appreciate this about what I've noticed about that person. And in love and care and compassion, we literally manifest, we literally reveal the fruit of the Spirit in our midst. Because the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come easily. It's not the thing that is most naturally going to come out of us. It comes as the result of a deep level of intentionality. And I talk a lot about being present in the moment, of being connected with what's happening in a place. And what I'm talking about today 
isn't stepping out of being present. It's not a fear-based filter placed on everything where I'm constantly out of fear filtering, am I going to do the right thing here and now? Am I going to do the right thing? Oh my gosh, I don't want to do the wrong thing. It's not that. It's actually being present to a deeper degree. It's being present in the moment where I am and realizing that what I see and what I hear and what I feel right here and right now naturally is not the full picture of reality. But there's a deeper reality that's happening here. This is about seeing and experiencing the unseen that is just as real and just as present in the moment. So it's about being present to a deeper degree, not this filter that's based on fear of doing the wrong thing. But it's this exciting opportunity that we have to realize and recognize the deep spiritual reality around us and participate in that. So brar, breathe, remember, access, reveal. And for the rest of our time, we're just gonna go through each of the fruit of the spirit. And we're gonna think about this concept of stopping and breathing in it and accessing it and revealing it in the moment with each of the fruit of the Spirit. And as we do that at the end, as I talk through each, we're just gonna take a short 20, 20 seconds or so for us to do this here, to reflect here and now, like, Lord, when is a time in my life, a very specific example, where I could have closed my eyes, taken a breath, remembered who I am, remember who you are, remember who these people are, accessed the fruit of love, and revealed it in this moment. Like a very visceral and real experience from our lives where we could have done that or maybe where we did do that. So we're gonna start with love. And it's this idea like, when attacked, when something's coming at me, when someone's coming at me, am I responding in kind or am I, am I a person who's stopping and thinking with the Lord, accessing love and manifesting it in response? When we're not aware, we reciprocate negative emotions. When we notice, we empathize and respond with love. When we're not aware, when we don't take the moment, we reciprocate the negative things that people are hurling at us. But when we notice, I love this first part, we empathize. We don't hate the person who's hating us. We empathize with their experience. Lord, what's happening in that person's life right now? Give me a deeper understanding of who they are. Help me understand their perspective and their experience. And out of that deeper understanding of who they are and where they are and the things that have come against them in their lives in the difficult moment that maybe they're finding themselves in right now, I don't reciprocate with that same thing. I understand it. I empathize with where they are and who they are and thereby respond with love. In Romans chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. This is exactly that concept. Persecute, persecute, persecute. God, I want to bless those people. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Then in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. It's this idea of stopping, not reciprocating evil when evil comes at us, but overcoming evil by good. And that is not a natural flow for most of us, is it? Right? When evil comes at us, natural response. Respond to evil with evil. When someone yells at me, I'm going to yell back. But when we breathe, when we brar, when we breathe, when we remember, when we access the fruit of the spirit of love, we then reveal it right back into the world. And when evil comes at us, we respond with love. So let's just stop here. Short 15, 20, 25 seconds. We'll see how it goes. Everybody close your eyes and think, Lord, just invite God to, to supernaturally reveal something in your mind right now, a memory from your life. When is a time? Maybe it's in the last hour. Maybe it's in the last day. Maybe it's in the last week. Maybe it's 15 years ago. When is a time that if I would have just slowed down, I could have responded with love instead of whatever it is that I responded with. All right, now I, I want us to keep our eyes closed and I want us to think about, just picture this, picture this. Same situation, put yourself there. Put yourself in that same situation. And instead of whatever the outcome was, whatever you chose to do, put yourself back in that situation. See yourself there, taking a breath. Remembering who God says you are. A child dearly loved, full of compassion, full of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember who God says they are loved by him, receiving of grace and mercy. Now just in your mind's eye there, see yourself reaching up and just like grabbing hold of a big heart of love out of the air. And pulling it into that moment. And now reimagine what it would be like for you to respond from that place. What would you have said? How would, what would your tone be like? What would your face look like? And we, we just carry that. We carry that into new situations, new circumstances, new moments in our lives where maybe the same type of thing would be happening. We carry that second picture into those new moments. So moving on, love, the first of the fruit of the Spirit. And we won't spend all that much time on all of these because we'll be here till one if we do that. So I'll, I'll speed up. Here we go. Love, joy. Um, fighting anxiety with joy. Like for me, there are lots of things in my life where my, my thoughts will move toward just this bank of to-dos in my life and it'll stir up anxiety for me. 
or it'll feel like a bunch of negative things. Like there could be a thousand positive comments and then the one negative one and like my eyes become transfixed on the negative one. Anyone like that? Yes, 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 right? And, it, and so much of our joy, so much of the joy in our life has to do with taking our thoughts and placing them on the right things. Now, my friend Landon, uh, a couple years ago, we were talking, and I was talking to him about some anxieties in my life, and the thing that he said to me, I've carried with me for years now, and I've implemented it over and over and again, and he says, the best, uh, the best kind of antidote to anxiety is thankfulness. And in that, I was like, you're so right. And he, he asked me, like, tell me things that you're thankful for in this same area of your life. Like, write them down. Take into account those things. Look at that list. And it, like, totally transformed my inner life as a result of taking my thoughts and my heart from this list that was anxiety-inducing to all of these things that I was thankful for. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this very short parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure treasure, a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I love this little parable here. Man finds a treasure in the field and was immediately full of joy. He didn't own the treasure. He didn't own the field. The circumstances were not like he wanted them to be. Yet the joy preceded the circumstances he, he wanted to exist. The fact that he found the thing brought him joy. And in his joy, he was full of joy before he went, before the circumstances were like the way he wanted them to be. The joy existed. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out these 72 uh, followers of his to, to heal and to preach and to care for people. And it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And there's this other piece of joy. Like sometimes we find joy before the circumstances are like we want them to be. And sometimes we just stinking embrace joy because things are awesome. But so much of it has to do with what we choose to see and dwell on and remember. And the same is true for the concept of peace in our lives. So love, joy, peace. Are we people who manifest peace? There are so many direct examples for me in this one when it comes to peace. Traffic being like at the top of my list. Like earlier when, when I said, okay, everybody pause and allow the Lord to remind you of something when you could have manifested love but didn't, traffic incident came to my mind. I'm an Enneagram 8. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's like this typing thing about like the Myers-Briggs kind of, and it's the challenger. And one of the characteristics of the challenger is kind of always noticing ways to make things improved. And if you drive on the road, it's like being in a movie. You know, like in a movie when someone's losing consciousness or they're passing out and they do this like montage of like swirly images and lots of sounds and it's just this like disorienting montage of, of video clips and audio. Like I feel like that when I drive. Like, okay, that person should not be in the left lane going that slow. And that person should not be right to my right, right there, blocking me in so I can't go around the person who's going so, going so slow in the left lane. And why didn't FDOT fix the pothole that I just drove through? 
You know, like, it's just this, like, one thing after another of, like, oh, driving. Like, for me, I have to make such a conscious decision to choose peace on the road. Oh, let me, I, I won't even tell you the story of the thing I thought of. When, I, when we were talking about love. All right, so I'm driving down Amelia, leaving the YMCA. I'm crossing over Fern Creek. There is a car coming in the opposite direction. I'm driving straight through the intersection. Literally, this person turns left right in front of me. We both have a green light. And then she stops in the intersection and looks at me like I'm crazy because I'm going straight and did not stop for her to turn left. Ugh. I was so irate. I definitely, in the moment, was not a person of peace. You want to honk at me right now? What are you thinking? Oh, geez, I'm sweating. Our level of peace directly correlates with what we set our minds on. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true... Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Put your mind on what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy, and the God of peace will will be with you. So in that moment, in that intersection, car stopped right in front of me trying to turn left, honking at me. (sighs) Brar. (laughs) Breathe. (sighs) Yeah, remember who I am. What am I putting my mind on? What is noble? What's right? What's pure? What's excellent? What's praiseworthy? Remember access peace and just wait for her to go through the intersection not shaking my fist not honking back not thinking about it literally for like an hour afterward no joke no joke thinking about it for an hour afterward but setting my mind on what is true whatever's noble whatever's right whatever's pure whatever's good All right, let's close our eyes again. And think about a moment where we were full of anxiety or we were full of of anger or we were full of impatience. And just go through that same process. Like, what does it look like to take a breath in that moment? When you're feeling impatient, what does it look like to take a breath Remember the goodness of God. Remembering the truth of the situation. God is present, but the fruit of the Spirit is available to us. And then just reaching out, taking hold of patience, and drawing it in that situation to reveal it. Breathe, remember, access, reveal. And the situation, the situation, I think, in our minds, in that moment, like even as we're thinking about it right now, I know for me, the situation 
literally transforms. Like the way I see it, I see it differently. When I take the moment to just take a breath and access patience and reveal it into the moment. All right, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, peace, we've skipped patience. Patience, James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. All of this is connected. Moments of impatience are perfect opportunities to sit back and eat a patience apple. Moments of impatience are just the perfect moment for us to take a deep breath, sit back, reach up, and grab an apple off the patience tree and just munch on it for a while, right? It's this process, like breathe, remember, access, pick it, pick up the patience, reveal it into the world. I was just a few days ago listening to a friend present a project to a panel of people and he was trying to explain the project, and the people on the panel kept saying, no, 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 we know what you're talking about. And then they would ask a question that revealed the fact that they had no idea what he was talking about. And I'm sitting in a room full of people, like there's probably 100 people on this side, and then there's a panel of people over there, and the 100 people in the audience are going, oh, uh, like they're making audible sounds, like everybody in the room is just like, no, 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 no. You're, you don't know what he, listen, just take time to listen to him. And all of us out here just like full of this ball of impatience. It would have been a perfect moment for us just to all just take a deep breath and reach up and take a patience apple and munch on it in our minds. So we need to be people who are just willing in a moment of impatience to breathe, to remember, to access to reveal patience there in that moment. And, and when we as patient people, like when we as people reveal patience in a situation, it changes the temperature of the air in the room. Like we have the ability to do that. I told a story a couple years ago about being on this airplane, crying baby uh, in, the, in the row in front of me, just like for probably half an hour. And everybody, you could feel the tension on the airplane. Like, and it wasn't just like, whimper cry it was like yell cry and I was just I was feeling just like this impatience about the whole thing realizing there was nothing I could do about it but like feeling impatient and so in that moment I I kind of did a little bit of this like I just closed my eyes and I just like took some deep breaths I just like prayed for peace and patience right there in that airplane no joke within 30 seconds the baby stopped crying and I can't correlate it. There's no data I can show you about like, okay, if everybody in that plane would have been a person of peace and patience in that moment, maybe that baby would not have cried for 30 minutes. Like, there's no data for that. I can't prove that. But the ability that we have, I think we literally have an ability to transform environments by being people who manifest peace and patience in moments where the, the situation is fighting against that. A few minutes later, the baby stood up on the mom's lap and was literally looking over at the seat at me laughing. It was so, so precious. It was so awesome. And I can't say that was because I did what I did. But it's an example, I think, of like we literally have opportunities to do that. We have opportunities to manifest peace and patience in a room, in a moment, in a circumstance that shifts and transforms 
the situation. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's time for a resurgence of kindness, and it will come one intentional step at a time. The only way that kindness will make a resurgence in our country and in our world is one intentional step at a time. We've glorified unkindness in our culture as of late. In 2017, there has been a 91% increase of hate crimes against Muslims in our country over 2016. We have glorified unkindness. We have given permission to people to be unkind. The people group that has seen the greatest increase of incidents reported in the realm of hate crimes is the Jewish community, but of course we know the Latin American community, the Hispanic community, the gay community. There are people groups who are in our country who have, we have glorified unkindness against them. And the only way we will see kindness return to our lives on a regular basis and in our country and in the world is because we have made intentional decisions to manifest the fruit of kindness in our lives. Several years ago, I taught a message called World Peace is Possible, and it begins with you. When we think about peace in the world, we think about it as something as external to us. It's the responsibility of somebody over there to do something about that problem. But peace and kindness do not trickle down from the top. They can be destroyed by the top, but they do not trickle down by the top. Peace and kindness Come up from the bottom because you and I choose to make decisions of peace and kindness every moment of our lives. If there is a ball called kindness and it grows and shrinks, it grows, grows and shrinks based on the individual decisions that you and I make on a daily basis. The Lord has called us to kindness and kindness will only exist because you and I have made a conscious decision to reach up and access the fruit of the spirit of kindness. Kindness is not cute. Kindness is not nice. Kindness is godly. Kindness is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you and I are not exhibiting kindness, we are not exhibiting the character and likeness of God. Kindness is not an option. Kindness is not politically correct. Kindness is not a liberal agenda. Kindness is the character of God and the example of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Kindness is non-negotiable, and it comes because you and I take a breath and remember that God is kindness, and we access his kindness and we reveal it into the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Ah, no, kindness. Colossians 3.12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. If you are God's chosen people, if you consider yourselves holy and dearly loved by the Father in heaven, you will be a person who is full of compassion and kindness. Goodness, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. God is moving in and through us, bringing to fruition our desire for goodness. He's moving in and through us, bringing to fruition our desire for goodness. And through goodness, we proactively distribute God's character into the world. This is a, a, a very, all of these are very proactive. We're distributing goodness, we're dispensing it. A couple days ago, my friend Shalisa is her name, posted on, uh, on Facebook that she had been at a restaurant and it was time for them to pay for their meal and, and somebody had paid for it. They didn't know who it was. They didn't know like why they did it. And it made like a huge impression on them. And as a result of that, they saw this large family in the same restaurant and they did the same thing for them. They paid for their meal and that family doesn't know about it and doesn't know who they are. And then she came home and she posted it on Facebook and it had like 300 likes and like 300 people being blessed by the story of the kindness, that seed of kindness that was distributed into the world by that family or that person who chose to pay for their meal. Kindness, or goodness, goodness, that good act is something that we have the opportunity to distribute into the world as we represent the character of God in the world around us. Faithfulness appears 244 times in the New Testament, which is more than any other of the fruit of the Spirit. The next one, the next closest one is love that appears 116 times. And faith is the fruit we grab hold of to unlock a door into greater depth. It has the opportunity to lead us into deeper places. I'm putting faith in God and I'm going deeper into him. I'm putting faith in, in, my, in the people around me and I'm going into deeper relationship with them. I want to pause here and think on this one for a moment, just with that little idea that faith is the opportunity to go deeper with God and with others. When we put our faith in God, we go deeper with him. When we put our faith in other people, the people that we trust and love, we go deeper with them. So I want us to go through this just quickly in the realm of faith. When is a time or a moment, or even right now in your own life, where you lack faith? And what does it look like for you to take a breath and for you to acknowledge that lack of faith there inside of you, in your heart, in your life? You feel it, you think it, it affects your emotions, it affects your mind. And we just stop and we breathe in and we remember who does God say we are? Holy, dearly loved, cared for, held. No one's going to snatch us from his hand. That's who he says we are. Who does he say he is? Faithful, kind, good, gentle, father, good father. 
Or maybe it's in the realm of another person. Who does God say we are? We're people who are, are loved by him, who are meant to be loved, who are put in relationship for a purpose. God says the same thing about the other people in those situations. Now we reach up and we just access faith. God, give me faith to trust you or give me faith to trust those other people. Knowing that you've also you know, brought wisdom into my life alongside of that, faith and wisdom side by side, making good choices. And then maybe we just reveal that by opening our hands and saying, God, I don't have to be in control all the time. But I can trust you with faith. I trust you in faith. And I want to go deeper with you. You just keep your eyes closed. There's two more here, gentleness and self-control. And I feel like all of what we've been talking about today is embodied in those two fruits gentleness and self-control gentleness that I'm a person who has the ability to take a breath and remove the sense of edge that comes naturally in a moment and I can approach this situation not with my edge not with my natural fleshly reaction but with a spirit of gentleness that leads to self-control that's what brar is all about self-control, the ability to take a breath in a moment instead of just reacting. We stop that reaction. Nope, not going to react just out of my flesh. I'm going to use self-control in this moment and take a breath. Remember, access the fruit of the Spirit and reveal it here and now in this time and place and literally transform the world around me. We know so much. We know so much. Like, the Christian world is more educated about Christian things than we've ever been educated about before. Literally, like, everybody who was a Christian uh, at one point in time, like, had to go have someone read the Bible to them because they couldn't read, like, a large majority of the population. And now we have, like, dozens and dozens of translations at our fingertips on a device in our pocket. And we have millions of words that are published about what people think about God and the Bible and Jesus every year we have access to so much information but what are we doing about what we know what are what are we doing with the fruit of the spirit that is so readily available to us in our lives do we just have a bunch of information in our heads and we're going about living our lives simply reacting out of the flesh, letting out what comes most easily and most naturally to us? Or are we people who have been transformed by the presence of God in our lives, who are full of self-control and the ability to stop in a moment and literally transform that moment? by accessing the fruit of the Spirit and revealing it. 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God, give us the ability to stop and breathe and access these things that are so readily available to us and bring them into the world. Thank you.